This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope, the audio broadcast ministry of Pastor Rick Warren. Today we continue in a series called Better Together. In this series, Rick takes us through 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and shows us how to cultivate deep, meaningful relationships with the people around us. In just a few moments, we're going to tell you about a special resource that will help you learn how to love, trust, and work together with your family, friends, and community to achieve God's purpose for your lives. It's called the 40 Days of Community Study Kit. You can take a sneak peek at this great resource, which includes a six-session DVD and study book guide by going to PastorRick.com or by texting the word DAILY to 800-600-5004 while you listen to today's message. Right now, here's Pastor Rick Warren with part one of a message called Serving Together. The Bible says it is not good for man to be alone, and God meant for us to be in community with each other. Whether you ever get married or not, doesn't matter. Really what matters is do you have a spiritual family, a group of three or four or five people that you can walk through life with so you're not on your own. And during the past four weeks, we've looked at how to fulfill different purposes God has for us by being together. We said we're better together when we fellowship together and when we grow together and when we uh, reach out together and when we worship together. And today we're going to look at serving together. You see, God did not put you on earth to live a selfish life. God didn't put you on earth just to take up space, to breathe, have fun, and die. God put you here to make the world a better place. God has a contribution he wants you to make with your life. And he wants you to practice serving him. Remember, life is practice for eternity. And when you get to heaven, one of the things you're going to do there is serve God, and God wants you to get some practice here on earth. Now, how do you serve God? Well, there's only one way, by serving other people. You cannot serve God directly. You can only serve God by serving others. And whenever you use your talents, your time, your energy, your resources, your background, what we call here your shape at Saddleback, when you use that to help anybody else, that's serving them. And the Bible calls that ministry. Now, contrary to popular opinion, every person is a minister. Every time you help somebody else, you are ministering to that person. But God says, I don't want you to do this by yourself. I don't want you to minister alone. I don't want you to be a lone ranger service person or servant. He said, I want you to do it in community. I want you to do it with others. Look at the first verse on your outline from the Bible in the book of Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. Let's read it together. Agree with each other, loving one another, and working together with one heart and purpose. That's what we're going to look at today. How do you do that? How do you work together with one heart and one purpose? You might even say, why does God require this? Why can't I just serve God on my own? Why do I have to have a group? Why do I have to have other people in my life? Why can't I just serve God, you know, me and Jesus, and that's all we need? Well, there are three reasons. In the first place, God says this, we're family. You might write this down, because we're family. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 says, we work together as partners who belong to God. If you're in God's family, he says, I want you to get along with the other family. Now, let me get, let you in a little secret. God is more interested in the relationships you build during serving together than he is even in the service that you do. 
And that's why he wants you to do it with others and not on your own. He said, we're, we're family, and I want you to learn to get along with the, the family of God. You're going to spend eternity with them. Number two, he says, because we need each other. We need each other to serve. Nobody has all the talents. Nobody has all the gifts. And God did it that way intentionally so that you would need me and I would need you and we would need each other because nobody has it all together. We need each other. The Bible says that we're part of the body of Christ. Some of us are hands and some of us are feet and eyes and ears. And each part needs all the others. Look at the next verse, Romans 12, 5. I love this in the message paraphrase. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of Christ's body. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? Well, no, in fact, you'd die. If you cut your finger off, it's not gonna live on its own. It has to be connected to the body. And you have to be connected to God's family in order to be, what it says here, find meaning and function in your life. And then the third reason why we need each other when we, when we serve is because we get more done. And the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, two are better off than one because together they can work more effectively. Now, we know this. This is not news. The teamwork multiplies effectiveness. On Friday, I got this uh, email. It said, Pastor Rick, myself and a team of 10 other guys, it was a team of 10 guys, just finished leading 40 Days of Purpose campaign inside the walls of Folsom Prison. We had 60 inmates come every week. Last night at our celebration, a lot of guys shared with our team how the purpose-driven life had led them to Jesus. Guys shared that while during 40 Days of Purpose, they decided to leave their gangs, give up drugs, wanted to restore their relationships to their families so they could share this message with their wives and kids. One inmate shared that in his 50 years, he had never read any book, but he felt God telling him to read this one, and it turned his world upside down. They all wanted Saddleback Church to know that God is alive and well behind the walls of Folsom Prison. Thanks for this incredible ministry opportunity. We're just a team of 10 average guys, but God used us in ways we never expected. Now listen. God wants to use you in ways you've never expected. You say, me? What do I have to offer? Well, you have something, but you don't have enough on your own. That's why you need other people in your life. And God wants to use you, but he also wants to use you in a team, in a group of four or five or six other people or 10 other people who are doing the same thing together and you all help each other out. It's a whole lot easier to do it when you're on a team. You're listening to Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. Rick will be back in just a moment with the rest of today's lesson. If you've missed any part of today's teaching, you can listen online anytime at PastorRick.com. That's PastorRick.com. Pastor Rick says we were never meant to live life alone and that the purposes God has for our lives are best fulfilled together in community. That's why he created the 40 Days of Community Bible Study. In this study, Pastor Rick will take you verse by verse through 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is often referred to as the love chapter. He'll teach you how to cultivate deep, meaningful relationships with those around you, and you'll discover how God uses community for your own good and growth. This six-session video and workbook study will show you how you are truly better together. 
today when you give a gift to Daily Hope to help take the love of Jesus to a hurting world, we'll send you the 40 Days of Community Bible Study Kit to say thanks. Just go to PastorRick.com right now to get your copy, or you can call 800-600-5004. That's PastorRick.com or call 800-600-5004. And be sure to let us know which station you heard us on. Thank you so much for your support. Now let's get back to today's lesson here on Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. God wants to use you in ways you've never expected. You say, me? What do I have to offer? Well, you have something, but you don't have enough on your own. That's why you need other people in your life. And God wants to use you, but he also wants to use you in a team in a group of four or five or six other people or 10 other people who are doing the same thing together and you all help each other out. It's a whole lot easier to do it when you're on a team. Now, the Bible often compares uh, being together in ministry, serving together, making a difference in the world to gardening. Look at the next verse. 1 Corinthians 3.8 says, the one who plants and the one who waters work as a what? As a team with the same purpose. These are purpose-driven teams. Now, you probably have some fond memories of team sports or being on a, on a choir together or a chess team or a club or a craft team or cheerleading squad, or maybe you remember being in the army in a squad or something like that. A lot of people have fond memories in their lives of some team that they were on. In fact, that's why a lot of people go back to different reunions because it was in the time that they were actually a part of a team that they felt most alive. Well, that's true, because God wired us that way. We feel most alive when we're part of a team that's doing something. Teams cause us to get closer, to get more done, and to have more fun. And in your small group that so many of you are in now, most of you, in fact, uh, the fastest way to get your group close to each other is by serving together. It's not by socializing, and it's not by uh, even studying. It's by serving together. And when you get together, it builds a team. Now, what does it take to build a team? Well, that's what we're going to look at this morning. And again, I'm, I'm very uh, anxious or excited to share this message with you because you can apply it in so many different ways. If you have a group of friends and you would like them to turn them into a team of friends, Here's what it involves, four things. If you have a family or you're married and you'd like to make your marriage stronger, you build it on these four things. If you would like to increase the team spirit at your office or where you work, these are the four things you need to do. If you would like to draw your small group closer together and and serve together, this is what you do. Four things, and I just, for fun, put them in a little acrostic, T-E-A-M. The first, it takes trust. That's the T in team. It takes trust. Trust is the emotional glue that draws you closer to your friends, to your family, to your small group. Without trust, you're never going to have the intimate relationship that God wants you to have. It's the emotional glue that creates a team, and teamwork without trust is impossible. Now, both Jesus and Paul traveled with a team. They never ministered anywhere by themselves, and they are our model. You should always have a team when you're serving God. Now, one of Paul's team members was a guy named Timothy. And in 1 Timothy 6, verse 20, he says, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted 
to your care. Would you circle that word entrusted? It involves trust. You see, to build a team, here's the first step. You have to share responsibility. You have to let other people do it. And, and to let other people do some of the work, you have to trust them. And he says, Paul says, Timothy, I want you to guard what has been entrusted to your care. You have to share the responsibility. Anybody knows that a quarterback can't pass to himself. If you're going to win the game, you have to pass the ball to somebody else. Or you have to hand the ball off to somebody else. There are very few times that a quarterback gets to run it in himself. Most of the time, he's handing off the ball. That's his job. Now, what do you need to hand off in your group? I would suggest that you hand off who leads the discussion. Rotate it around. Let somebody lead the discussion this week. Let somebody else lead the discussion the next week. And rotate it around. In every small group, there is hidden talent. Would you agree with that? In every group, there's hidden talent. And part of the job of the group is to discover it, to uncover it, to maximize it, and to trust it. My wife is an incredible speaker. But we would have never known that except we discovered it in her leading a small group. We would have never known it any other way. It's just by she started leading a small group, scared to death, her knees knocked together, and she had six people in the room. But she did it. She did it. And now she speaks all over the place. The fact is there is hidden talent. And so your goal is to uncover it and to trust it. Look at this next verse, Proverbs 20. Uh, verse 6 says, many people claim to be loyal, but it's hard to find a trustworthy person. That's interesting. That was written thousands of years ago, and it's the same human dilemma today. Who do you trust? How do you know who to trust? How do you find a trustworthy person? More important than that, let me ask this question. How do you become a trustworthy person so that people trust you? Well, if you want to become a trustworthy person, you need to do three things. Write these down. First, you earn trust, people's trust, by being consistent. That's the first way you earn the trust of other people, is by being consistent. Have you noticed people hate surprises? They don't want, they don't want you to be doing, acting one way this time and acting another. They want you to be predictable. They want you to be consistent. And the Bible tells us that God wants us to learn to be consistent in serving him, and then he trusts us, and other people will trust us. The Bible says in Luke 16, verse 10, let's read it together. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. You know, today everybody wants to serve God in big ways, in the spectacular ways, in the obvious, in the, you know, the, the showy ways. But God says you build trust by being faithful, trustworthy in the little things, the things that nobody sees. And you say, well, nobody's watching me when I do that. No, but God is. And character is built not in the big things you do. Character is built in the little things you do that nobody ever sees, but God sees them. And God says, if you're faithful in little things, I will give you greater and greater and greater and greater and greater responsibility because you have been faithful in the little things. You don't get the great responsibilities until first you've been faithful in the little ones. We saw a great example of that just this week. On Wednesday night, we had a choir practice. Boy, did we have a choir practice, huh, Rick? 1,300 people showed up for choir practice. And the most famous worship leader in the last 50 years in America was here to lead them, Cliff Barrows. Now, Cliff Barrows got up and he was telling the story about how he met Billy Graham. He said, I was 21 years old 
in Modesto, California. And there was this young preacher who was 23 years old coming into town to speak. And he said, uh, I said to my girlfriend, let's go over and hear him. So they went over to hear this guy speak and the music leader didn't show up. He was sick. And so somebody volunteered Cliff. And he goes, me? He goes, yeah, why don't you lead the music? He goes, well, okay. So he led the music last, last night. He was a substitute. He was faithful in little things. After the service was over, Billy Graham put his arm around him and said, you know, I'm not to too choosy. Why don't you come with me? <laughs> and he began to travel with Billy Graham. He said, I've now been at his right side for 60 years. What if he hadn't been faithful in the little things? Would that have changed Cliff Barrow's life? Yes, it would have. But because he was faithful in little things, God says, I can trust you with greater responsibility. Now, as I said, those things are often inconvenient, but they prove your character. Now, here's the second way you get people to trust you. Not just by being consistent, but by being confidential. People trust you when you can keep a secret. People trust you when they tell something, they unburden themselves, they unload something on you, and then you don't go spread it all over. One of the rules for our small groups is what is said in the groups stays in the group. What is said in the group stays in the small group. You don't go talking to everybody else about it. It's confidential to those who are in that group. They've trusted you. They haven't trusted you to tell it to everybody else. What's said in the group stays in the group. Proverbs eleven thirteen says this. A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps a secret. Now, you know what gossip is. Gossip is when you're sharing information and you're neither part of the problem nor part of the solution. If you're sharing information and you're not part of the problem or you're not part of the solution, that's called gossip. And God says it's wrong. Now, fortunately or unfortunately today, we have a new technology that spreads gossip faster than anything else. It's called email. And if it's really juicy gossip, you BCC, blind copy it. The next time you use a BCC, stop and ask yourself, am I gossiping? Because if you want to be trustworthy, you have to gain that trust by being consistent and being confidential. And let me tell you this, people who talk to you about other people will also talk about you to other people. So just be aware of that, that if they gossip to you, they're going to gossip about you. And the Bible says, don't hang around gossips. In fact, you know, as you say, I don't want to hear it. Stop, that's stolen information. In fact, in the law, if you buy stolen property, you're as guilty as the person who stole it. So don't do it, don't gossip. Now, the third thing, if you want people to trust you, is not only being consistent and being confidential, but by being close. You have to spend time with people in order to earn their trust. You don't trust people you don't know. And in Proverbs 17, 17, it says this. Now, don't turn it over yet, because i got a lot to say about this verse. Let's read it all out together, so make sure you're on that same page. Okay, read it with me. Friends love through all kinds of weather, and families stick together in all kinds of trouble. Now, circle the phrase, stick together. That implies proximity. It says, you're close. You're together. You stick together. Distance creates distrust. And the more, when you're distant from people, you start being distrustful of them. You, as I said, you don't trust people you don't know. So if you want people to trust you, you gotta spend time with them. Would you write this down? Time creates trust. 
Or another way you could say it is trust takes time. Either way, it takes time to build trust. And so trust takes time. And notice it says it, you learn trust through all kinds of weather. Now, it takes a long time to build trust. Question, can you lose trust quickly? Oh, yeah. You could lose it in a second. But it can take months and maybe even years to build it. Trust takes time. And you can't grow it quickly. You can't grow trust quickly. Now, what am I saying this for? Because some of you are in small groups now, and you're just starting to learn to trust each other. You've been in this thing three, four, five weeks now, and you're just learning to open up, to get comfortable. And this thing's going to be over in two weeks. Please, I urge you, keep your group going. Don't short-circuit the system. God is building trust in your life and in others' lives. And if you cut it out just as it's starting to bloom, you are going to short-circuit the blessing God wants to do in your life and in the life and through your group. So I urge you, stay together and learn to build that trust because our world desperately needs trustworthy people. And these are people who God can count on and we can count on to be the hands and the feet of the body of Christ. The second key to teamwork is empathy. That's the E in team. It takes empathy. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, live in harmony with one another and be sympathetic. Now, you can't have the first without the second. You're never going to live in harmony with your wife, your husband, your, your friends, or anybody else. You can't have harmony without sympathy. And you can't have a team without being aware of what's going on in each other's lives. It's more than just working on a project together. You have to be aware of each other. That's why when people work together in an office, they may be working, but they're not a team unless they know what's going on in each other's lives. You have to have empathy. This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. If you've missed any part of this message, or if you'd like to find out more about Pastor Rick Warren and this ministry, just visit PastorRick.com, where you can listen online anytime. That's Pastor Rick with two R's in the middle, dot com. And be sure to sign up for Rick's free daily email devotional while you're there. Rick will be back to close out our time today. But first, Pastor Rick says, we were never meant to live life alone. And the purposes God has for our lives are best fulfilled together in community. That's why he created the 40 Days of Community Bible Study. In this study, Pastor Rick will take you verse by verse through 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is often referred to as the love chapter. He'll teach you how to cultivate deep, meaningful relationships with those around you. And you'll discover how God uses community for your own good and growth. This six-session video and workbook study will show you how we are truly better together. And today, when you give a gift to Daily Hope to help take the love of Jesus to a hurting world, we'll send you the 40 Days of Community Bible Study Kit to say thanks. Just go to PastorRick.com right now to get your copy. Or you can call 800-600-5004. That's PastorRick.com or 800-600-5004. And be sure to let us know which station you heard us on. Thanks so much for your support. Here's Pastor Rick with a word of encouragement. You know, if you accidentally cut off your finger, it wouldn't live for very long on its own. 
It has to be reconnected to your body, and it has to be reconnected as quickly as possible. Now, here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to get connected to the body of Christ. And here's what I mean by that. If you're not involved in a Bible-believing church where God's Word is taught, then I want you to go find one. I cannot overstate the importance of you having a local church family. Every believer is meant to be a belonger. You need to belong to a local body of Christ. Otherwise, you're like that finger. You're cut off, detached, and you don't have the lifeblood flowing through you. Now, if you need help finding a church, just email me, and I'll send you a tool called How to Find a Church. Thanks for listening today. You know I love you. You know I care for you, and I'm praying for you. And join me next time as we continue to look into God's Word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Daily Hope Ministries and your generous financial support.